Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick, and then we'll just dive right in. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, and I thank you that we can have fun in you, and I thank you, Lord, that also that we can have our hearts open to receive what you have for us today. Speak to us, each one of us, a special word here today. Just bring revelation, Lord, which uh, brings us into a different place in you. And Father, I just thank you that all distractions are gone. We can just put all thoughts from yesterday, today, and tomorrow aside during this time that we have here together, and we focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, last week we talked about advancing our faith, which you can't do without advancing the kingdom of God. And we looked at the parable of the sower, and we learned that those that are close to God will understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God simply means God's supreme powerful rule. God's supreme powerful rule. And, you know, that changes things because it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about his rule and reign on our hearts when he was talking about the kingdom. And he was talking about the mandate that we have here on the earth. And there's a difference between seeing the kingdom of God and entering the kingdom of God. Seeing the kingdom of God is being acquainted with and seeing, but entering is arising to. And to arise to, in other words, to really enter the kingdom of God, you must go through tribulation. Doesn't that sound good? Yeah, but you know, in Acts it says that through much tribulation we enter the kingdom of God. Now, what was he talking about? Not tribulation going to heaven. Again, he was talking about through much tribulation we enter God's supreme powerful rule. And you know, that doesn't sound like the funnest thing, but yet what's good about tribulation is, is there's victory on the other side. There's victory on the other side. And Jesus, it was Jesus who said in John, he said, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. It's just a fact of life is really what he was saying. You're going to have those things. But the good news is, is we have him because we are the temple of the Holy Ghost and he is within us. We are his temple. We are anointed beings of God. And so because we have him, when those trials come, when that tribulation comes, we can rely on his grace going through that. And then we come out on the other side victorious, and it's a testimony to those around us. And that is awesome. That is awesome. And that's what we want. That's what we want. So when we focus on the kingdom, God takes care of our stuff. In other words, all that tribulation and stuff. And that's when we see the signs and the wonders, because signs and wonders follow the kingdom of God. Signs and wonders follows the kingdom of God. That's why we want to get and and not just see, but enter into the kingdom so we can experience those signs and wonders and those around us will experience those signs and wonders that we're doing. That's what Jesus was talking about when he was saying the greater things that we would do. He was talking about advancing the kingdom of God and those signs and wonders that would follow. And the main way that we advance the kingdom of God is through love. Paul said in Galatians 5, 6 that works don't do anything on their own. We've got to have a faith that operates through love. So the kingdom of God is advanced through love. It's our main weapon, if you will, to advance the kingdom of God. So I want to continue this morning talking about advancing the kingdom. So the title this morning is Advancing Faith, Part 2. And so I want to look at the parable of the sower again because there's just so much there. And we could probably spend the next five weeks just just unpacking all kinds of things. But we're just going to look at the parable of the sower one more time this morning. And we looked at it last week from the Gospel of Mark. But the parable of the sower is very uh, significant. It's recounted in all three of the synaptic Gospels, Matthew. 
Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so this morning, we're going to primarily be looking at the Gospel of Matthew and look at that account to pull from this morning. So let's go ahead and dive right in on that. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says, That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Now, what I like is, you know, when I read the scripture, a lot of times we look at, like, the word the, and we'll see, you know, well, that's not a super significant word, you know? We look at it, and we just kind of pass over words like it and the, you know, when reading the book, we don't think much about them, but these words are actually real important, and another word that we may look at and we say, oh, it's not that big deal, is this word, word behold, the word behold. Now, this word behold is actually very important, and in Mark, when we read last week, it actually doubles up something, and it says, hearken, comma, and then behold. And it's like, oh, man, now we got two words here, and it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. We don't see this with all of the other parables that he's talking about necessarily. We see it's here and there. You'll see the word behold, or you'll see the word hearken. Okay, so what's he trying to say? Well, hearken simply means this, listen to this. That's it. It just means listen to this. Beholds deeper. It says, get this. That's what behold means. So listen to this and get it. In other words, you really need to listen up because you have to get this. And that's what he was saying right there. That kind of changes things, the importance of this verse. You know, church, for those of you that's been here uh, for quite some time, you've heard me use this phrase from time to time. I'll get to a certain part that I think is just so crucial in the message, and I'll say, all right, everybody, if you don't get anything else, get this. How many hurt? remember that? You know, I've done that before many times. That's what Jesus is saying right here. He's preaching to this multitude. This crowd has gathered, and he's saying, guys, I know I just said a lot. Get this. Understand it. It's so vitally important. So that's what he was saying right there. And we see that this sower here, he's sowing indiscriminately. And the focus of the parable is not really on the sower. It's on the soils or the grounds, the different type of grounds. And many times you'll see a lot of people have changed it because, you know, our, you know just traditionally we have called this parable the parable of the sower. But a lot of times you'll see it the parable of the soils. Okay, so what's important is, is the ground and the soil. That's where the focus is on this parable. So having that focus in mind and having this thing called, you know, hearken, behold, listen to this, get this, let's understand the importance of this parable. Now let's keep reading verse 5. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Hundredfold, sixty, and thirty. Not like last week I kept saying ninety, thirty, sixty, ninety. You know, I like to multiply in thirties, right? But it's a it's hundred. So hundred, sixty, 
and 30. He who has ears, let him hear. So now we've seen the other types of grounds. We have all four that he's presented here to see what kind of ground and the seed that was thrown there and the results of what happened to that seed. Then in verse 9, he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Look, this is just like going right back up to hearken and behold. He who's got ears, let him hear. In other words, those that want to understand, understand. Those that really, really, really want to get this, you're going to understand it. Understand this. Now, now this, this verse is real important because Jesus is saying here, not everyone is going to understand the kingdom. Does God want everybody to understand the kingdom and advance it? Absolutely. But the truth is, not everybody is going to get it. Church, I'm going to make a bold statement this morning and say that if the body of Christ in America, if the whole body of Christ understood, really understood the kingdom, uh, this nation would be totally different. It would be flipped upside down. We would no longer be in a place where Christianity is not outpacing the population growth. But we're in a place right now where Christianity is losing ground in America. Now, it's not that way south of here. Mexico and on down, all the way through Central America and South America, Christianity is outpacing the population growth. Hallelujah. That's awesome. But here, not so. We have been losing ground. Why is it? I believe it's a lack of understanding the kingdom of God and our purpose as the church. Amen. All right. So what he's saying here is not everybody's going to get it. He knows they won't because not everyone has the right motivation. How many knows that when it comes to we have this thing called salvation, it's a free choice. It's up to us. Right here, it's up to us. If we want to understand the kingdom, we can. We have to have the right motivation to do so. Look at the ver- next verse, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now, I want to look at Mark 2 on this verse here, uh, chapter 4, verse 10 of Mark, like we read last week. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the 12, began asking him about the parables. And so what we said last week was that those that are close to Jesus will understand the kingdom. Because remember, we started with a crowd, we started with a multitude, and now it's down to those that really traveled around with Jesus. Those that were with the 12 and the 12 there, those that were close with him, those that wanted to see something different take place in their country, in their land, in their people, the Jews. Here's these people following around Jesus and saying, I want something different. I don't like life the way it's been. I want something different. Those are the kind of people that will understand the kingdom. Those that would say, you know what, I'm not here, you know, uh, uh, just for my own selfish motivation. I'm here for the kingdom. Look at verse 11. Jesus answered them to you. It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, he used kingdom of heaven. You can replace and put God right there. Same thing. Okay. Matthew's the only gospel that does that. 
Kingdom of God is what it's saying. But to them, it has not been granted. It was granted to those that were right there close to Jesus because of who they were. How many know we've talked a lot and you've, maybe you've heard a lot of teaching going on that people talk about who you are in Christ. We've heard that phrase because of who they were. They were the ones that were close. Those were the ones who wanted something different. They weren't like the crowd just coming because they were curious about what's going on or there for a quick miracle or just putting their time in. Mm -hmm. Right? How many times have we gotten in that mindset and in Western Christianity in that mindset? Well, let me, it's Sunday. Let me go just put my time in. And then as soon as we come back out the door, we put a different jacket on, our robe of righteousness comes off, and we go about our own way, do our own thing, and then Sunday morning comes on, let's get dressed, let's put our robe of righteousness on, come back in, and let's get real Christianese-like and put our time in. Mm-hmm. I ain't get a bunch of amens on that one. <laughs> I didn't think I would. You know, back in the day, I mean, this, this is kind of funny. We got time. Okay, there's my clock. We got time. You know, back in the day, there was a, a, a in the church, and it wasn't just here. It was uh, different ones. Those that would come on Sundays but would not be about the Lord all week long, you know, and just kind of do their own thing. Oh, but then it's Sunday. Okay, let me just come on Sunday. Well, they got labeled. They were called SMOs. SMOs. So it stood for Sunday morning only. <laughs> and so it was this thing, you know, SMOs. And so uh, it, it, was, it became one of those things. And, and I started looking back on that when I was, you know, thinking about this message. And I was thinking, man, you know what? That's sad. It's sad that there were those that had a label like that. Because the thing is, is the church is not a building. A church is you and I. It's people. And wherever we go, we should be expanding the kingdom of God. We should be making a difference in the world around us wherever we go. It's not about Sunday. It's about the everyday. And that's the thing. And I thought, you know, that's sad that we had a label you know, in church circles, and it was a running kind of joke among a lot of, you know, ministers and things and different ones who, you know, people who, uh, you know, did a lot in the church or whatever. And really, it's not about our church structure. It's really not. It's beyond our church structure. It's wherever you are, I'm going to advance the kingdom of God. The lens that I have on, everything that I do, everything that I see should be, is this to the benefit of the kingdom? Amen. That's a totally different mindset. So those that were close to Jesus, they wanted more. They wanted something different. They wanted to matter. They wanted purpose. They wanted a change where they were. We keep reading in verse 12. It says, For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while they seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is to be fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive for the heart of this people shall become dull church i never want my heart to become dull i don't want to get callous to the things of god i don't want to be callous you know to just oh it's just another sunday or it's just another day even 
I want to be about the Lord's business, close enough to him to where he's guiding every step. Where people become dull with their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. In other words, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. In other words, most don't get that concept of the kingdom. Could they? Yes. But they've got to choose to. They've got to choose to stay. We can't be like the crowd. We've got to stay. We've got to stay right there with Jesus so that we can understand. So that our heart doesn't become dull and our eyes are not glassed over. They're not closed. Verse 16, notice this again. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Notice he called those who understand and get the kingdom of God blessed. See, don't get turned off when I say about the trials and the tribulations. And to enter the kingdom, there's tribulation. Because, see, there's blessings on the other side that those who do not advance the kingdom do not have. It's not afforded to That's who he blessed. That's who he said was blessed. It was those who were close, those who understood and could see and advanced. How many want an advancing faith? I do too. Let's look at the interpretation. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Now notice here, Matthew makes it very clear what the seed represents. In Mark, like we read last week, it says the word. In Luke, it says the word of God. But Matthew is just further qualifying it here as the word of the kingdom. And we went ahead and Mark, when we were looking at Mark, and we put in the word of the kingdom right there. When it said, but Matthew just qualifies it, puts it there for us already. And here in verse 19, look at that soil. All the soils figuratively represent the heart. It's the condition of your heart. This is the evil one who comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So what Jesus is saying, these soils represent hearts. And the thing is, is which type of soil do you have? Which type of soil do we want to have? I know which one I want to have. Now, from a Jewish perspective, the heart is seen as the seat of human beings' deepest convictions, beliefs, and volition of will. The heart reflects one's true character. Now, heart in the Greek right here, it means the seat of the intellect, meaning the mind understanding. That's literally out of the Greek dictionary that I pulled it out of. It's very important because it, it targets it just a little bit more. It's a understanding. Notice before, those that were in the crowd that went away that weren't close to grief, their understanding, they did not understand. Their hearts were dulled. Their eyes were closed. They couldn't see. What we're talking about is having a heart, an intellect, an understanding that gets it, that really, really gets it. So that's what we're talking about here. So what does the first soil by the path represent? Because of its location along the path, this soil is hardened and describes the person who does not understand the gospel of the kingdom or its truth. This could be by ignorance, because they just don't get it, or deceit by worldview. Lord knows that we've got a lot of that, uh, uh, you know, unbiblical worldviews out there. 
or philosophies out there that do not line up with the word that can kind of steal and rob your kingdom mindset. And it's Satan who comes and steals it away that illuminates those things for us. And so Satan comes and steals that away. So we can classify this first soil as a person with no understanding. No understanding. For whatever reason, that first soil is, I don't get it. There's no understanding. Now we continue reading in verse 20. The one on whom seen was sown on rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. That's a good thing. We hear the word of the kingdom, we receive it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution rises, and that word affliction it can also be tribulation, arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. So what does this second soil on rocky places represent? It represents a person who hears the words of the word of the kingdom and receives it with joy, but their belief is shallow and temporary as they fall away when trials comes or they are persecuted. Now this word, this phrase here, falls away, literally means offended. Literally means offended, and you'll see that in the King James as well. Here, Listen, church, it's not the tribulation or the affliction or the trials that's the problem here. It's the offense. Because, see, remember, Jesus said we're going to go through the trials. We're going to have the tribulation. That's not what, what sucked these people out and, 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 and pulled their understanding away. Because, you know, it was the shallowness of not understanding that it was. A, imagine, you know, that Christian says, oh, all my problems are going to go away now hallelujah i have been saved i don't think so after i got to, you know the real revelation and started you know, walking with god my problems got worse how many can witness to that right it got harder it wasn't easier you know, but see, that's the shallow thing. Oh, it, we, we present a gospel in Western Christianity that says God is good, and God is good. Don't get me wrong. But we say, man, life is going to be so much better for you. Come right on over here. Give your life to God. It's going to be so much better. And look, it is better. But without a proper understanding of what that means, the first trial of tribulation that hits if you have that shallow depth of earth, not understanding that those things are still going to happen in your life, you're going to follow away. It's going to offend you that, oh, why did God not do this? Why did God not do that? Mad at God all of a sudden. That takes out more people than I know. Uh, my dad has said it many times to me. He says, I cannot tell you how many times people get so hung up because God didn't do this or didn't do that. And they're offended at God when it wasn't God's fault at all to begin with. These people here, we can classify this kind of soil, we can classify this as a lack of knowledge. They don't have enough understanding. They don't have enough depth of the word. They're not grounded. So we have no understanding, and then we have a lack of knowledge as the second soil. They don't know how to deal and respond to trials because they don't have that deepness of the word inside. Psalms 1 says that we're going to be planted by rivers of water if we do what? Meditate in his word day and night. Now see, the trees by the water, uh, they get so much water, they're, they're strong. Those that are just so many feet away from the bank, you know, the ones that are not right on the bank, but those that are by the water, that's what he was talking about. Those are the trees that are the strongest because they have that constant food source under the ground, under the water, the water seeping through the soil and getting to those roots and those roots can go down deep. 
And if we meditate on the word day and night, our roots go deep and we get strong. And when a tribulation comes, a trial comes, we're not going to be blown over real easy. We'll be like those palm trees. You know, in the hurricanes and the palm trees, they kind of lean, but they ain't going nowhere. Shh, they just kind of lean over. You know, you've seen the footage on the Weather Channel, and they're going, like they're like waving to you, like, hey, I'm here. You know, the wind will do nothing to them. I mean, when was the last time you saw a palm tree on the ground? You don't see it. They're strong. They're out there. They're by the ocean, the water. You know, the water comes underneath, and they're just built strong, like, hmm. Kind of like my physique. Never mind. No, no, not really. Need help there. Need. Mm. All right. So we classify this as lack of knowledge. We've got to have that deepness of the word. Let's continue in verse 22. And the one on whom seen was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So what does the third soil with these thorny plants represent? The third soil represents a person who hears the gospel, but its message is not a priority. It's not important enough to prioritize over the cares of the world. They get the deceitfulness of wealth. No, so what does this deceitfulness of riches mean? The Greek term used here for deceitfulness is in the sense of deceiving, seducing, or enticing, which usually involves sin. Jesus refers to the worries of the world and deceit of riches in all three Gospels, indicating that the kingdom of God is for those who have the right priorities and devotion. See, if you don't have the depth, but not just that, but maybe you do get it. Maybe you understand, you, 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 you understand the kingdom, you get it. But then there's just all these things and distractions and things that you can get wrapped up into. There's all these things that can entice and bring you in and get you out of focus from what's truly important. Not understanding that, yes, in the marketplace and all these different things out here, that, that they, they are very important, but understand that that is your ministry ground. Wherever you are and wherever you go, that's your ministry. Your ministry is not necessarily being behind a pulpit or ministry is not necessarily when you're passing the offering buckets or teaching the children or being up here playing an instrument. Yes, that's ministry, but ministry is also when you leave. Ministry is wherever you go. And when you make a ministry out of it, it's amazing how God pulls you through. And see, what we got to understand is that all these things out here, it's not, oh, this is more important, and so I can't really, I don't have time for God because all this is important. I've got to have this and that in my life and all these things. No, you can have all of it all together. Now, let me explain what that means. What that means is when you focus on God, and you focus on the kingdom wherever you are. The blessing, he, what did he say? The blessed, you're blessed. He's meeting all your needs, all of those things. So you don't need to be see, deceived and thinking, okay, I've got to do this or that out here, and I can't be about the kingdom of the Lord. It's all together. And so what do we classify this soil as? Those with wrong priorities and motivations. See, what this does is... Uh, when it comes to the kingdom of God, if your motivation's wrong, you're going to get rooted out. If your motivation's wrong, you're going to stray from what God's purpose is for your life, and you're going to get caught in the world system. Do you know what I mean when I say world system? Way of thinking of what's more important and what's not. 
See, when we wake up in the morning on Monday morning and we've got work to go to or this or that, my thought should always be, as I'm going on my way, before I get there, Lord, how do you want to use me today? It's that day. It's not we switch things off. Again, it's a ministry wherever we are. He said, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do my work as well. No, you'll do it better. Yeah. You'll do it better because you'll be flowing in the Spirit. Oh, we don't have time to go into all of that. Understand that the kingdom of God is the best. When you enter and truly enter and advance the kingdom of God, it's the best. Verse 23, and the one whom the seed was sown on the good soil, uh, this is the good part, the good soil. How many want the good soil? I do. This is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So what does the fourth type of soil, the good soil, represent? I want to take you to Mark chapter 4, verse 20, on the account there. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil, and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirty, sixty, and hundredfold. Then we look at Luke's account. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. So let's look at this statement here. The good soil represents the ideal hearer. The person hears the word, understands it, accepts it, holds it fast, and then bears fruit. So we can classify this fourth soil as a kingdom mentality. A kingdom mentality. It's a person who hears the word, understands it, accepts it, holds it fast. In other words, I'm going to hold to that. Every day, my mindset is, how can I further the kingdom of God? What do I need to do on this day? Lord, Holy Spirit, guide me, move me. So the four soils, number one, no understanding. Number two, lack of knowledge, no strength to endure. Three, wrong priorities and motivations. Four, a kingdom mentality. Who wants a kingdom mentality? I do. Now, we've noticed through here, understanding is extremely important. How do we get understanding? Proverbs 21.2 says this, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the hearts. We get understanding by acknowledging the fact that his ways are higher than ours. We study the word to learn his ways and submit to him, which will bring wisdom and understanding. See, I can't... throw a light switch on for you you know and 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 now you just you have understanding you got all the understanding you need you can get started here you got started you know it's like okay there's more there's a purpose there's something i've got to do there's some more i've got to understand i got to understand this and and that switch can get turned on but then what do you have to do you have to go get in the word you have to get in the word you have to read the word you have to get those principles down inside you have to look at those our mentality. I want to read this quickly and close on this. Second Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 18. You know, Paul's talking here to the church in Corinthians uh, verse, chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, 
But through our outer man, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light of fiction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now many read these verses, and many have in the past, and their interpretation goes something like this. Don't lose heart. I know things are bad, but hang in there and just focus on what's to come in the eternal our suffering's only temporary and God is going to reward us for it. Just don't give up. Keep being good, as good as you can until that time. But that's not true. That's not the interpretation. That's not what Paul was trying to say. While true that God rewards the faithful, that's not the main point here. We've got to keep things in proper context. I want to go back up to verse 5. Paul's talking about his ministry and those who minister with him in this whole chapter. Keep that in mind. Verse 5. For we, the we here is Paul and those who minister with him. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. In other words, we're here to serve the body, to serve the kingdom of God. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. In other words, my ministry is not about me. It's about God shining through me. Yes, I'm to have an eternal mindset, but I'm to have an eternal mindset that lines up with the kingdom of God, not escapism. Did you catch it? I look at the eternal things as God, what do you want me to do today to produce in your kingdom? Because see, my eternal life has already begun. It began the moment I believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Eternity began that moment. So I am already about the eternal. So my focus, what Paul was saying is, you need to think about the eternal. Focus on the eternal things because you're producing a weight of glory. Hallelujah, man, that's the good part. Oh man, I love that. You're gonna produce this weight of glory. All these other things, you know, all the, the light affliction, he calls it a light affliction. In other words, don't worry about the tribulations, the affliction. God's gonna bring you through. There's victory on the other side. There's this eternal weight of glory that's coming to you just be focused on it be thinking about it make a ministry out of wherever you are and whatever you're doing amen can we all stand this morning so our eyes are to stay on the eternal and the eternal kingdom that began that was established when Christ came to the earth, he began to change mindsets and began to do something. And then when he went to the cross and when he rose again, his kingdom was established in the hearts of men when he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. We became the temple of God. And at that moment, it was God's supreme, powerful rule ruling on our hearts as he breathed on his disciples. The kingdom was established then, and it is increasing, it is moving forward. Now, we may not, I mean, we look in America, we say we got a lot of work to do, but around the world, his kingdom is moving. There are things happening in places we don't even know. 
There are more Christians walking this earth now than there was back then. Obviously, a lot of population has to do with that. But also understand that in many places around the world, Christianity is outpacing the population growth. I believe there's going to be more people in God's kingdom than in Satan's. Amen. Amen. I'm serving a winner. I'm serving a winner. I am a child of a winner. I'm a child of God. We're not going to lose, church. You're not going to lose in your life. You have a divine purpose. It is to advance the kingdom of God. As you do, your faith will begin to increase. Your faith will begin to advance. You will begin to see God move into your life. I'm going to prophesy to you right now and say that God, as you begin to advance the kingdom of God, your faith will begin to rise. Signs and wonders are coming into your life. I can say that confidently because I understand the word of God and I understand what's in the word. And in your life, as you begin to advance the kingdom of God, signs and wonders are coming your way. It will be a testimony to those around you because that's the purpose of the signs and the wonders. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many can say that sounds good to me? That sounds really good to me, too. All what I've got to do is I've got to wake up every day. Lord, what do you want me to do today? What's my focus? Where's my ministry? Where's that door? What am I doing? God will begin to lead and guide you. There are things that are going to come to your mind that never came to to, to you before. For some of you in here, there's stuff, business ideas, business opportunities, things that will just begin to click in your mind. It could just open up in your mind. You're like, where in the world did that come from? Don't discount that. Embrace that. Let me tell you something. Satan's not going to whisper anything to your ear that's going to help you. So if you get a good thought in your mind, you think, well, man, I never thought of that before. That's real witty or, oh, this or that. That's called God. That's not called Satan because he hates your guts and he ain't helping you. That's God. That's God beginning to speak to you more than he was before because now you're about advancing his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Every realm, every place, the seven mountains of culture, we need to have influence, church. Influence wherever we are. Amen. This morning, how I, you know, I, I, I'm looking for that on a daily basis for the church to rise up, to advance the kingdom of God in America, a turnaround. Church, it, it's, I, I don't care who's president. It doesn't matter. Let me just say that one more time. Get this out of your head, too. If this is, you know, Republican, Democrat, independence, none of it matters. What matters is the kingdom of God. If it was able to be advanced in the way the church was, all that stuff wouldn't even matter. The right people would be in the right place. They would all cooperate and everything would be good. And we wouldn't have the relations in our communities and the culture and the breakdown and the arguments and the fighting and all the things that our media wants to throw out there and show you all this negative stuff. That wouldn't even exist. Because God would be giving those thoughts to those men that are in the positions that they are and the women that are in those positions and saying, hey, do it this way, do it that way, because his way works. It isn't the Republican way. It's not the Democrat way. It's not the independent way. It's God's way. His way is superior over all that junk. Amen? Amen? My faith's not in a politician. My faith's not in Congress. My faith's in God. My prayer is that they will get that and understand that and turn their heads and their eyes towards the Lord. 
My faith's not in government. My faith is in the government of God and his government and how he has put things in order. Amen? That's why you don't hear me up here preaching politics because that's not what it's about. Amen? Oh, I got my beliefs and my leanings and all that, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter what your politics are. I can get along with you. I don't care what you think. I can get along with you if you're about the kingdom. You and I will go together like this. If we're advancing the kingdom, I don't care who you voted for. Are you here, church? That might be different for some of you, but just grab a hold of it. Get it. It's truth. I'm telling you, it's God that turns this world upside down. It's only God that can turn the hearts of men around. God is the one that turns the hearts around, not men. I was watching a TV show. I'm going to leave you with this because I just keep going, but things keep coming. I was watching a TV show, and there was this woman that on, the, on the show, and something had happened to her, and she couldn't let it go. And there was somebody else that was talking to her, and I was like, man, I, I was thinking, I wonder if the writer's a Christian or something, you know, but the other aspects, I'm thinking, yeah. But boy, the, the writer, it was just like the word was coming out of this person's mouth. It's like, well, what are you going to do holding on to that for? It's only hurting you. And that's what they were saying. You got to let that go. You got to let that go and let them move on. I mean, they were literally saying that. Like, I thought, wow, that's good. We got, it, it's only God that can do that and bring men together. And wherever you are in your family and your jobs and wherever you are, if you get about the kingdom, you will see things getting repaired that are broke. Because a kingdom mentality mends, it puts things together. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Whatever it is that you see that needs to change to get your mindset in the right way, let's just ask God for it right now. Father God, Lord, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you that you have work, you're working on each one of our hearts, our mentality, the way we think, our intellect, as you said in your word. Lord, I thank you that we would be about your business. As you were always about the Father's business and you, everything pointed to, you always pointed to the Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we will be about you wherever we go and we will make a ministry out of wherever we're walking. Lord, I thank you for your voice increasing into every ear that's here on a daily basis. All through the week, Lord, may we have that that mindset of, Lord, what do you want me to do today to further your kingdom? Father, we give you glory. We give you all praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.